Good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here. It's Tuesday. Sorry, knocking the microphone around there. May 23rd. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We are looking at the Lord's Prayer. Maybe, just maybe, uh, the most well-known passage in the Bible, certainly one that has been uh, recited and rehearsed uh, many times by many folks in many different settings. You may have even grown up saying the Lord's Prayer as part of your liturgy and your worship at your church. Regardless, the Lord's Prayer is situated in the Sermon on the Mount, which, which tells us something very important. And, we, and I mentioned this um, on Sunday when we did an introduction to the Lord's Prayer, that the Lord's Prayer is at the center of the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount which is vitally important in thinking about the connection and role of prayer to the life of righteousness or wholeheartedness. You know, wholeheartedness being the same on the inside or the outside is not something we happen to swerve into. It's something that only occurs slowly over time as there is a pursuit and a communion with God. And prayer is one of those primary means by which we come to sit in the very presence of God. And so when Jesus says he wants to teach us about prayer, then our ears need to perk up. And so this is where we are. Now let me read the passage that we're in, and let's pick up from where I asked you to, to do some investigative work yesterday. I said, why don't you compare this version of the Lord's Prayer to Luke chapter 11 in that version of the Lord's Prayer and just note the similarities and the differences. Um, so let me read from Matthew, then I'll turn around and read from Luke and we'll go from there. Verse seven, and when you pray, chapter six, Matthew, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right. Now, knowing that this longer version here in the Sermon on the Mount of the Lord's Prayer, there is another version of the Lord's Prayer. This is in Luke chapter 11. And why don't you flip over there and let's look at that. Luke chapter 11, let's begin in verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Sorry, I clicked off my passage there. Um, let's get back. There we go. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us, us our sins, for we all ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, how do we explain these differences? Obviously, they're very similar, but we have a much more condensed version in the Gospel of Luke. Well, it's really the same issue that we face in, in biblical interpretation in any of the synoptics, 
when we might hear some of Jesus's teachings or sayings rephrased or used in different contexts in the various Gospels. Now, some have pointed to that to point to the inconsistency of Scripture, the fact that it's full of errors, that, that the sort of the Scripture writers were just sort of making it up as they go. And I think there's a much better explanation for understanding why oftentimes we see different phraseology with different points of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels. Remember, Jesus was an itinerant preacher. So um, he would travel around and he would deliver teachings and sermons in different contexts. And we have many itinerant preachers these days, right? Maybe one of the more famous ones, uh, someone who didn't pastor a local church, but who was an itinerant evangelist was, of course, Billy Graham. And the reality is, is that you could go to Billy Graham rallies over a course of time, and you might hear several different talks, but you certainly would hear several talks repeated. It was, he had a standard set of sermons that evangelistic messages that he would deliver um, to various crowds, and they were more or less similar, although they might have varied depending upon context. But you could count on the, the, the same sort of sermons being preached in a particular itinerant season. Well, Jesus had a ministry of, of three years publicly. And so he undoubtedly used many of his teachings in multiple contexts, multiple locations, and that, and that shouldn't surprise us. So, for example, you'll notice that there is a counterpart, actually, not just to the Lord's Prayer, but to the Sermon on the Mount. And um, it's called the Sermon on the Plains. And you can actually um, compare them, and, and, and as with the Lord's Prayer in, in Luke, Luke's version of the sermon is much more condensed. It's much, it's much smaller. It's much more truncated. Doesn't mean that there is a discrepancy or contradiction between the sermons. What it means is that Clearly, Jesus was in a different context, preaching at a different time in a different place to different people um, with these teachings. So on one hand, he is gathered, okay, right, up on a mountain, and he's teaching primarily to Jewish people, the Sermon on the Mount. In another context, in Luke, he's gathered on the plain. Maybe his audience was more mixed. Maybe there, was, there, maybe there were Gentiles interspersed, or re regardless... Jesus used the same sort of kernel or core for his teaching in each context, but varied it up in, in various ways. And I think that's one of the ways we can understand why we see variety like this in the Gospels. We also see that in Luke, it's the disciples coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he's teaching them. Well, in, in this version here in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives an expanded teaching, which is to a whole crowd. So you see the different context. So to say all that to say, um, we don't need to be concerned about these seemingly, seeming con they're not contradictions. They're just um, the same sort, the, 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 the same teaching or the same discourse or the same outline or kernel of a discourse taught or preached in different contexts. All right, now back to the Sermon on the Mount that we have here and the Lord's Prayer. So I want to focus on um, that this first verse, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, what are we saying there? Well, notice that while 
prayer is never less than personal, okay? So this idea of father, that's a very personal relationship. It's more than personal. It's also corporate. It's, it's community. And one of the things that we miss when we don't worship together as Christians, pray together as Christians, gather together as Christians, we miss the family of God. And so right off the bat, we have this, this idea that as Christians, we share a parentage. We share the family likeness. We bear a family resemblance to God made in his image. He's not just my father, but he's your father, our father, his father, all of our fathers together, those who are trusting in, in Jesus Christ. And so, so this family component is really being emphasized here. Now, of course, you may have heard it said that, that this idea of God as Father was, was foreign to the Old Testament. It's a, it's a New Testament introduction or interlocution. No, that's not true at all, okay? We do see times in the Old Testament, I think there's 15 different times where God is referred to as Father. So it's not a foreign concept in the Old Testament at all. At all. It's just that once Jesus comes in the New Testament, he makes more explicit and clear the nature of our relationship with the God of the universe. Now, as I said in the sermon on Sunday, um, there's many things, um, titles, names, um, attributes that God holds together in his perfect being, right? And so while God is certainly other things besides Father, isn't it interesting that it's this metaphor that Jesus begins with, God is Father. And here we are really, again, beckoned, invited into this vital communion with God. What Jesus is signifying to us is that prayer is simply much more than rote memorization. It's more than simply praying three times a day, facing east towards the holy city. Um, it's, although there's nothing inherently wrong with three times a day or pointed in the specific direction or what have you. But, but that's not the essence of prayer, right? The recitation of prayer is not the essence of prayer. Relationship is the essence of prayer. And the way that God becomes our father, of course, is that we embrace his son. And so, so this idea, again, of our father might be an easy line to sort of skip over, but that would, that would set us on a wrong trajectory, right? Um, we, we, we are approaching him as a child um, would approach a parent. Um, you, of course, you may have heard that Tim Keller recently passed away, and many have been writing tributes about him and quoting him. And, and one of the things, one of the little quotes on prayer that, that, that Dr. Keller uh, is remembered by is he said this. He said, um, only a child would think nothing at all of waking up the sovereign king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water if, in fact, that sovereign king was his father. And that's an important kernel to bring into our prayer lives is to remember before God is anything else to us, he is personally our father through our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, now let me focus on this last thing, hallowed be your name. Now, 
What does that mean, name? Well, what does that mean? Well, it literally could be translated, let your name be kept holy, or let your name be treated with reverence. Now, when we think about name, okay, we, we're not just talking about a, a, the physical name or saying the name, right, of God. When we talk about name, that signifies and encompasses the whole aspect of who God is. Remember how important it was in the Old Testament and in, the, and in biblical literature for this idea of name. Name wasn't just a name. Name signified something. It symbolized something. It set a course for your life. Um, names were really important. And so, for example, you could go all throughout the Roman Empire, and if the name of Caesar was evoked, that was a big deal, right? Because it signified that the authority, the power, the scope, the entire personhood and office of who Caesar was, even if he was not physically there, was extended into every sphere of life in the Roman Empire. Everything was done in Caesar's name. Um, coins bared his likeness. Uh, people uh, worshipped images of Caesar. And so when we are being told here to hallow or to treat as holy the name of God, we are, we're not talking again about mere saying of a name in a sort of sanctimonious, holy-sounding way. What we're really praying there, what, and remember, this is a request. We're praying that God's name, that is his very person, his being, his essence, would permeate and flow into every crevice of our lives and the world. That, that as his name is hallowed, honored, lifted up, that people will come to see God for who he really is. And of course, this first verse signifies to us that our prayers begin with God. They are oriented to God. They orbit around God. They are fulfilled through God. And again, this is a template, a pattern by which we are to order our own prayers. Now, tomorrow we're going to look at what happens when God's name is hallowed. What, what flows from that? And we're going to talk about his kingdom is done and his will is done. His kingdom has come and his will is done. We're going to talk about what those two things mean tomorrow. But for today, pray that God would hold his name up holy and high in your own heart as you come to him as your father. Lord, you are much more, we know, uh, you are the sovereign, the king, much more than anything that um, we can identify with in this world. But you're nothing less than Father for those who know you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.